Good evening, Youth Thought Media listeners. This is Jared Ludecker, um, podcasting for the seventh time with Lucas Mason Moyer. Um, a little less with Aiden Lewis, and then our <laughs> special guest this week, Bartosz Janchuk. Bart, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Thank you guys for having me. I'm I'm great. How are you doing? We're all doing great. I can speak for Aiden and Lucas. <laughs> We're all doing fantastic. Thank you, Jared. <laughs> yeah. Glad uh, you're here to, to, to do so. Yeah. Some some of our football teams lost yesterday, but we'll and some of know, ours won. We'll pay- so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and some of ours didn't even make the playoffs, Aiden. So it's fine. Seven and nine. We finished on a, a four game win streak, I believe. So yeah, watch out, twenty twenty. Yeah. We're there we go. The so Browns this- of twenty. Oh, never mind. Go ahead. So on tonight's episode, we're going to look at the wild wild card weekend. Um, obviously, got four games on the slate. Got a couple topics on there. We're going to end with our rants, and even Bart's going to get in with his rant, too, and give us a nice, juicy opinion for the end of, end of the show. Um, Aiden, would you want to introduce the first wild card game? Sure. So we're going to start out with the Texans-Bills game. It was, you know, a thriller turned out to be after the, the Bills jumped out to a pretty big early lead. I believe it was 60 nothing. Uh, but game wasn't over. Deshaun Watson still had something to say, and uh, they came back and won it in OT. Uh, Jared, do you want to start us off talking about that that big comeback? Yeah, obviously, obviously Deshaun Watson is quite a gamer. I'm going to get into this at the end, but I, I don't know why people passed up on him. Um, had even though he didn't, his stats like in terms of touchdowns aren't crazy, but he really orchestrated the offense, um, kept things going, had a good amount of passing yards, and um, really happy to see Deshaun Watson doing well and uh, to see the Texans moving on. So. Yeah, I'm, I was just so impressed with, like, too, his physicality in the game, especially, like, the big break play that he had in overtime was impressive. Just the way that he, like, gets through games and, like, wills his team to victory. Like, I know he doesn't have a consistent record of it at this point, but just to see that comeback was, I don't know, impressive and I think a sign that he has a bright future, something he showed flashes of in the past. Like, like Jared said, his stats have never been, like, insanely good, but he just has, like, that... This is going to sound so dumb and cliche, but he feels like he's got, like, that winning gene in him. And, like, the way he led comebacks at Clemson and, like, is now, like, taking the bills and, like, finally, like, giving them some hope at, like, playoff success in a way that they never have before is, like, cool to see. Although I do feel, like, on the flip side of it, th- there is no more tragic, like, franchise in sports than the Buffalo Bills. Like... <laughs> 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 I like. I feel bad. They jumped out to such a lead. It would have been nice to see them, but they just kind of like crumbled at the end. Like they just they had the lead and they couldn't hold on, which is sad to see. Yeah, but they have a bright future. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, like I. I yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, like the way their offense has run this year has been like good. The defense is strong, like, and they're all young and they have a foundation. But I don't know. Even yeah. so, in the moment now. I feel bad for him. Yeah, I agree with Bart on this one, though. I think that the Bills have a bright future ahead of them. You know, after last year, I don't think many people were sold on Josh Allen. His rookie year was, was pretty inconsistent. Uh, but this year, he, he made big strides, and he was, he's, was not an elite quarterback, but he was definitely good enough to get by in a, a passing attack that's not going to be, you know, the, the strongest ever. But And he kind of choked at the end of this one. 
but he's only a second year quarterback. He grew a lot last year. I think there's there's room to improve, and that's a good sign for the Bills, who have kind of notoriously not had good QBs or had bad luck with QBs. It was I liked seeing Josh Allen fight at the end of the game, though. I feel like he was playing really hard. You could like just tell by um, the way he was like scrambling and finishing off runs that he really wanted to win the game, which, which like I don't know how much weight you can really put on that but it's nice to see that he he definitely cared like you can tell he cared a little bit more about some other players i think too so yeah i mean there are certainly quarterbacks that we've seen in the past who seem very uh just like emotionless during games so i agree it's it's good to see that jay cutler comes to mind for instance (laughs) jay cutler the peak nfl quarterback (laughs) it's true (laughs) Do we have any thoughts about what's going to happen in the next round? We're going to go more in-depth predictions, but did you see like things from the Texans in this game you thought were good signs for the future, or do you think it was just sort of like a, a scrapped-out win and then they'll just, I don't know, sort of fall to superior, well, supposedly superior opposition when they take on Mahomes and the Chiefs next weekend? Uh, well, I was actually going to say, when we were talking about Deshaun Watson, he, he did look good for the most part, but the, he took a ton of sacks in the first half because he was holding the ball for way too long and he was trying to make plays when there was nothing there so i am concerned that if he tries to play that way again uh the chiefs will not make it easy to to win with that style of play i know the texans beat them earlier this year but uh uh, patrick mahomes was hurt for some of that game or all of it i don't remember exactly yeah no i agree all right moving on to the next game uh, Eagles took on the Seahawks. Not next game chronologically, but next one we're going to talk about. Um, <laughs> where my beloved Philadelphia Eagles did fall short against the Seahawks. Big storylines being Carson Wentz going down on a hit from Jadavion Clowney to a concussion earlier in the game. And the rest of the game was just sort of <laughs> to use more empty sports. I don't know, phrases. It was scrappy. Like, there was... A couple big plays that broke the game. Metcalf's catch all the way down the field, the touchdown, and just sort of, like, made the difference. So, uh, Bart, what are your thoughts initially on this game? Yeah, I mean, the the Carson Wentz injury basically just – it took took a lot of the validity out of this win for the Seahawks, in my opinion. Um, I mean, obviously, Russell Wilson played really, really well. So that's that's key for them. They're going to need to see more of that in, in the future. But, yeah, I really would have loved to see a full game of a healthy Carson Wentz and, <laughs> in an ideal world with healthy wide receivers, too. I think the Eagles could have actually won this game. Um, but, I mean, yeah, like you said, it was gritty. It was kind of hard to watch. But Wait, so was the validity cool. of the Eagles' Super Bowl win, like – is that is that not valid because Carson Wentz didn't play in that one? No, I'm, I'm just I'm just no, yeah, no, I mean, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm no, but I'm actually tongue in cheek. <laughs> Go ahead, Lucas. Yeah, I'll, I don't know. I think it speaks to like Doug Peterson's like coaching ability. Just the fact that a team that had Josh, forty year old Josh McCown at quarterback, Boston Scott, who is five six at Louisiana Tech, never really played in NFL before. Miles Sanders, who, you know, was fine at Penn State. And then a receiving core of former quarterback at Houston, Greg Ward. Dallas Goddard, who's, you know, an up-and-coming tight end and fine. And Zach Ertz, who is one of the best tight ends in the league. But no real wide receivers. And just, like, the, like, parts of the line gone. Brandon Brooks. Like, 
I think it speaks to his coaching ability that he like willed a nine and seven team like into the playoffs and then like put up a fighting shot against like a good Seahawks team with just basically no one out there. And like it seems that, like the last three years especially, he's really been able to do this. Obviously, twenty seventeen more than the other years where they won the Super Bowl, but like last year with Foles again. This year, like, they make it to the playoffs with nobody except for Wentz, and then Wentz goes down, and they still put up, like, a fighting shot in the playoffs. Like, I don't know what he must do with those players, but they really just, like, rally and can play and, like, believe in themselves. Like, I know it's, like... Winning Gene. I don't know. They, winning Gene. We talked about it before, <laughs> even though they lost, but, you know. <laughs> yeah. No, honestly, I was more impressed by the Eagles than the Seahawks, all things considered. Just the fact that, yeah, the Eagles were so depleted. Like, it gives you hope for the future for the Eagles that, you know, if they do manage to stay somewhat healthy, you know, next year could be could be bigger. But the Seahawks, like, at the end of the game, I heard some commentator make a comment about how much momentum they're going to have going into the next round, and I just don't agree. I agree that Russell Wilson looked good. Obviously, DK Metcalf, it, like, looks like a beast. He's definitely hitting his stride. But besides that, I mean, they've, like, they lost the last two weeks of the season – this game, like, they they grinded it out against, as you mentioned, a 40-year-old Josh McCown. So I don't see them having, like, a ton of, you know, momentum going into the divisional round. Yeah, and, and let's not forget, too, that the Seahawks are depleted as well. They, that's the reason they had to sign True. Marshawn Lynch. Um, I, saw a, I saw a funny headline, too, by the way, that was like, Marshawn Lynch goes full beast mode. And he had like six carries for seven yards, and, and he had yeah. six, like he had a touchdown. Yeah, he had a touchdown. It, like, yeah. it was a two-yard run or something like that, which I thought was funny. Um, so I guess a great two-yard run. Yeah, yeah. As any run by yeah, <laughs> by him is. So. But I don't even I don't know if Marshawn Lynch even is really the spark that's going to get their running game going. Like he he was. He wasn't really obviously six for six carries for seven yards in this game, but then the the previous game he didn't he didn't really get that many carries either. So, yeah. No, I am. It's it's definitely concerning that Russell Wilson was their leading rusher and their second leading rusher had twelve yards. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah it doesn't, does not bode well for a team that like tries to be run first, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's yeah. what's helped. That's what's helped the Seahawks on their championship runs, and it helps Russell Wilson too when right. they have a, a consistent running game. Yeah, like, when they come up against a halfway decent pass defense, I feel like they're going to be exposed. Like, the Eagles have consistently been, like, ravaged again by injuries at corner, but, like, even the guys they have out there are, like, not elite in the way, like, their defensive front is, like, Maddox and Mills are, like, fine, like, replacement-level corners, but, like, they're not going to stop Russell Wilson when he's having a good game. Like, I feel like once they come up against that better secondary and they don't have a running game, they're going to be kind of exposed yeah yeah well the packers have like a middle of the road pass defense i think so that yeah. Uh, it, yeah we'll see if that is evident or not but yeah i don't know definitely yeah. it makes you wonder why the seahawks don't pass more though given how well russell wilson played this year yeah. all right yeah so moving on to the viking saints game you know another controversial saints playoff <laughs> game that we got going here we got someone who might be a little biased on this one. Vikings fan, Bartaj, who had a yeah, pretty solid week. Uh, but yeah, you want to start us off, Bart, with your feelings on the game? I mean, I thought, I thought honestly, it, it, I had horror, horror flashbacks of the the game that we played against them two years ago when Drew Brees was 
completely forgettable in the first half of that game. And then he just tore us up in the second half. And they should have won, frankly, if not for the Minneapolis Miracle. So I had flashbacks to that again. I thought that would happen where we blew a lead in this one. But this time, there was no miracle necessary. It was just a well-fought game. I thought the Vikes played surprisingly well. The Saints played surprisingly poorly. They probably should have won. But, you know, at any given Sunday. No, it was, yeah, it was a good game overall, for sure. I think that the Saints should have given the ball to Taysom Hill a little bit more. That guy was an absolute beast. 20-yard <laughs> passing touchdown. You can lead blocking. Drew Brees was the third best quarterback in this game. <laughs> yeah. Right? Um, he, he's another guy another guy that you could tell just wanted, wanted to win so bad. Really fun to watch him play. Um, yeah, just like he said at the intro, Aiden, how many times do, do the Saints have to be heartbroken in the playoffs? After going 13-3 and to, uh, to fall mm-hmm. like in overtime in the wild card game, you know, and – that obviously the Rams with the pass interference last year, and then as Bart mentioned, the Vikings the year before that. Drew Brees is also getting old; he's forty. Um, he, he's going to be a free agent too, so it'll be interesting to see how long the Saints will want him to go on mm-hmm. for, or if they're going to, or they're going to transition to like Teddy Bridgewater or, or Taysom Hill maybe. Um, <laughs> and then one other stat too that I think was kind of telling is that the um, Drew Brees got sacked three times this game. And he had a lot of clean sheets throughout the year. So he was only sacked 12 – in 11 games, he was sacked 12 times. One of those games was six sacks. So if you take that away, he only sacked six times in 10 games, but got sacked three times in this game. That, that's, that doesn't seem like it bode, it, it'll bode well for a win for the Saints. Yeah, Which and the turnovers out. too, where they had only turned the ball over eight times all year and there were interceptions and fumbles. And, like, when you are so used to playing such a clean game – like just that little like throw off of like you know the big fumble right at the end by Breeze and like throws you out of your rhythm and I think ultimately doomed them in this game. What about what about the pass yeah. interference call at the end? Did did the refs, I have did it. the refs miss it? <laughs> I have it on good authority from I texted Montana our a friend of the pod um, about it yesterday and he said um, quote. I asked him, do you think there was pass interference on Rudolph on the last play? And he said, no, I wouldn't have thrown a flag. Saints just bleeped up the front the whole game and played like bleep. So, so, I mean, and Montana would not stop talking about the pass interference call last year, which, yes, was more egregious. But the fact that he's just admitting that they just, like, played poorly all game, I think, speaks to the fact that, like, I don't know. They're both going for it. I don't like. I there's definitely a push there, but I don't think it's egregious enough to call it a pass interference. Personally, yeah. I think what yeah. concerned me about it was not the fact that like it wasn't called in that situation because I I kind of agree. It was by definition it was it was kind of pass interference, but in that big moment, I don't know. It didn't feel again like clear enough to necessarily call it. But the fact that they were so confident in it that they didn't actually review it especially after last year and the fact that, you know, they kind of promised that they'd try and get things right. I think that's the concerning thing. And it's that kind of like, like refs are like, I feel like the refs have this opinion about themselves that they're right. And like, just, you know, that's it. And they didn't help themselves with not even going over that call, which seemed at least close enough to warrant, you know, a replay and, and checking it out. 
Yeah, but they've been suspect the whole year with the reviewing pass interferences. So yeah. I, I don't yeah. think anything. I mean, nothing would have happened regardless. Yeah, I, I just think. think I'm su- like I know the like the whole year. What if they reversed like one or two? But I'm surprised that they didn't even just review it for the show, especially given that it was the Saints again who were, mm. you know, the the ones yeah. who were getting hurt by yeah. it. It just seems it's yeah. like thinking about it is kind of like funny. It sounds kind of made up the fact that you know they would have changed that, and then this year the same thing again, less egregious, but the same situation comes up, and they don't even use the new rule. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, and I think on that play, the the defender was putting hands on him too. So, like, I th- I think in that case, if they're both hand fighting, it's hard to say. He did push off. Yeah. Like, you did, mm-hmm. like, obviously you can see that, but the defender was putting hands on him, too, so it's kind of hard to call that, I think. But, but yeah, I, I agree with you, though, and they should have reviewed it if that's what the rule's there for, but whatever. Sure. What do we know? Yeah. <laughs> Even, like, I feel like that's a classic, like, stands not confirms, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's like they yeah, would, no, yeah. agreed. <laughs> yeah. I feel like that would be, like, it's like they have the show of reviewing it. They're like, oh, we're not screwing over the Saints again, like, another year with a bad pass interference call. But we're not confident enough to say, like, yes, this was the right call. So you give it a stance, not confirms. You don't have to, like, I don't know, deal with the backlash. Well, though I haven't seen as much backlash this year as there was last year. Again, probably because it is just, like, less yeah. egregious. Well, but... yeah, last year's was blatant. Like, they were just yeah. wrong. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, no, I agree. Just the sheer confidence that it was, like, the right call that we can end the game like right on the spot without taking a look is yeah just pretty wild to me that they wouldn't have like understood that that would have come under fire or I guess they just don't care it's yeah and I think the storyline that I heard most on ESPN because I watched ESPN a decent amount later in the night was just like oh this dispels the narrative that Kirk Cousins can't win a big game. <laughs> you know, <laughs> he was 0-9 on Monday Night Football, and now he's he's done it. He's won the, like, he's won the big game. And, like, yes, this was, like, a, a good, big, like, victory. He played well. Um, you know, 19 for 32, 242, and a touchdown isn't, like, lighting the world on fire, but it's, like, he put in a good, solid performance. He led the team. Like, but... I don't know it was a wild card game against a good team like it was a bigger game than he has won in the past but i'm like not 100 percent convinced in him going forward that like he has the experience and necessary to like lead them to the super bowl like obviously i want them as a minnesota resident and friend of bart like i would love to see the vikings make it to the super bowl but i don't know i like i think the whole storyline of him being like he's like crushed his demons of not being able to win big games is a bit overblown yeah yeah, no, yeah but you know yeah. what i i obviously i'm not biased here at all i promise but the whole oh and nine thing i don't know quarterback stat or quarterback wins is one of the worst stats in my opinion like take the monday night game against the seahawks for instance they lost but they gave up like 37 points i mean how is that on mm-hmm. kirk kirk played a really good game so while i agree he is sometimes suspect in big time games i think the whole narrative in the first place is unfounded for the most part 
Yeah, and I yeah. and I also think it's it's stupid to say that Monday Night Football is a big game. Like, yeah, that's agree. A that's a <laughs> like that's automatically like, like huge. Yeah. You know? Yeah, like, I don't yeah. understand. Like that. As be, if your like your team I'm... could be the two and ten Jets playing like the 11, <laughs> seven and nine, twelve and zero Patriots on Monday night. That's not fair. To, that's not fair at all to say that. You know, a playoff game is one thing because both teams are supposed to be good, but a Monday Night Football team when it could be completely not evenly matched. And the whole Monday night thing's an ESPN marketing play anyway, so like that's just it's just stupid. <laughs> it, but whatever. It honestly yeah. just felt it's, like a cherry picked stat always. Yeah. Just you know one of those like weird anomalies that shows up and they're like whoa like this must mean something and you're like <laughs> from I, Elias Sports yeah. Bureau. But yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I do think if it's yeah. <laughs> I've never like. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just gonna say like I've never like. I don't know like what the Elias Sports Bureau is. I only know them through the context of like ESPN citing them. Like I want to meet a single person who has worked for the Elias Sports Bureau just to know that it like is a real Honestly, thing. Honestly, I exists. imagine it's like a dark, shadowy place where they're yeah, just like <laughs> pouring over like spreadsheets of data for hours. I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> in march like, in yeah <laughs> on the 16th of march like, you know lebron scores <laughs> 40 points yeah. on ever anyway it's ridiculous they, yeah <laughs> uh, no i was just gonna mention how oh shit i'm forgetting exactly what it was i saw a stat that said something like team the last three teams that I think fumbled on their first possession of the playoffs or something like that, won the Super Bowl. So, before the Eagles Seahawks game, they were hyping it up. They're like, in games of birds versus birds in yeah. the playoffs. <laughs> no home team has ever lost. Yes. Like, That's today in meaningless stats. <laughs> <laughs> just the birds thing that's all you know <laughs> like, yeah like there's something inherently better about being the home team when you're a bird which clearly there wasn't this weekend but alas all right next up um we've got the patriots and titans definitely a game where we're talking a lot more about the losing team than the winning team um lucas what are your thoughts on this game I don't know. I think it showed the sort of cracks in the Patriots dynasty have finally come to a head. Like, there was evidence this year they weren't playing great. Like, Brady had a lot of off games for him. Like, they were carried a lot by the defense this year. But I don't know. You just always feel like going into the playoffs. Like, they do it every year. Why not this year? Um, And I sort of felt the same way. Like, it was just going to be Super Bowl seven again. Like, even though it was the first time in a decade they didn't have a bye, like, the experience in Belichick, and, you know, they didn't do it. The offense was kind of not great. I could think of a better word to describe how they played, but I don't know. I won't. Like, that, like, Brady was fine. The running game was kind of fine again. Like, they weren't playing horrible, but... There wasn't just, like, that spark and desire and determination that I think, like, the young and hungry, it's been a big day for empty sports analogies here, like, Titans um, had, and I don't know. Speaking of the Titans, though, I can't imagine, like, we're, like, a more underwhelming, like, performance from a quarterback. Um, 
for a winning team. Ryan Tannehill, 8 of 15, 72 yards, a touchdown and a pick. Yeah. Like, they were carried by the absolute madman that is Derrick Henry. Carrying the ball 34 times is ridiculous. Yeah. So, shout out Derrick Henry. Shout out Alabama. I know I said on a podcast a couple <laughs> weeks ago they didn't have a lot of great skill players in the NFL, but Derrick Henry is one of them. Yeah. No, it's always interesting which, like, Bama running backs end up being dominant in the pros. Because, like, Derrick Henry was, again, dominant at Bama, but I kind of forgot about him in terms of, like, you know, Mark Ingram and Trent Richardson. I didn't think of him on that level. But, like, he's been fantastic. And also, like, quick note that he's not on the all-pro first team simply because they decided to give Christian McCaffrey both all-pro running back and all-pro flex player. He was, like, the first player ever to get, like, named all-pro first team at two positions. So so poor Derrick Henry got robbed when he, he deserved it. <laughs> what like why would they do that? Just for like the like I, Christian McCaffrey was great this year. There's no like yes. denying that. But yes. like why like hype him up even more to the point where it's like, oh, we're gonna give you two all pro two spots. spots yeah. The same team. <laughs> yeah. And then he sits out the Pro Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. In any case, returning to the topic, yes. uh, Bart, what were your takeaways from the game? Yeah, I, I definitely, I was going to point out the same thing, how it's incredible that they won despite Daniel having a super average game. But I do think it's worth noting that he generally had been really, really good this season since they replaced Mariota with him. So I don't think this is a trend. I think this is more of an anomaly for him. Uh, but at the same time, the Ravens have a really, really good defense. And uh, they know exactly how to defend a strong run game like this because it's what they do in practice every day. So I am concerned that uh, Derrick Henry is not going to be able to go off for 182 yards or whatever <laughs> for a second Aww. game in a row. That, that concerns me. Yeah, but yeah, like, like you said, Tom Brady had been having iffy games all year. He didn't even manage to put up a touchdown in this one. I think it, it actually might be time for them to consider moving on from uh, who many consider to be the greatest of all time. I was. They were talking a lot about that again on ESPN after the game. Like, will he leave or will like? It's just. It's hard for me to conceive of him playing somewhere else. Like, as like somebody mentioned, like the Chargers is a possible landing spot and stuff like that. And like, no, don't I guess if you, Rivers like that. <laughs> True. Yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah. yeah. I, I think he should just retire if he's gonna not play with them. Yeah. yeah. Although, like, it's a different situation, but, like, it worked out for Peyton Manning. Like, he was so tied to the Colts, and then he left for those couple of years of the Broncos, won another Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah. that's fair. I just but, feel like Peyton Manning still had a couple, like, clearly had a couple years left in him, whereas Brady seems like a year or two at most. So it'd be an, a kind of strange move for him to, like, kind of alter his legacy. And everyone's still going to remember him as, you know, a, obviously as a Patriot. But given that he's gone this far with them and he's only got a year or two left, it would be a really strange move for him to leave. And I feel like it would have to be a really enticing opportunity, which the Patriots still are a good team. Their defense is really strong. Like, I don't, you know, I, I think it's still his best option here. I would love to see it from like a, an ex, like a scientific experiment type yes. of thing. Like, how good would a Brady be on another team? Like, how much, like, I realize it's like not the ideal yeah. test case because he's old. Like, how much was his success just a product of, like, Belichick and, like, the system versus, like, how much is he actually a great quarterback? And I feel like he is, like, he is a great quarterback and, like, you know, 
a lot of the great quarterbacks are just like products of their system in a way, like Joe Montana and the West Coast offense and stuff like that. But I don't know. I would just be interested to see like if he does go to the Chargers, like does he just like flounder? Like was Belichick just like extending his career by a ton or is he, I don't know, actually that deserving of the greatest of all time? Yeah. Yeah. Also, speaking of their system, how incredibly fitting was it that the coach that like gave the Patriots yeah. their first like proper upset was a product of Bill Belichick's like coaching tree? I love that. <laughs> yeah. Also, I loved him using like Belichick's strategy against him of like just like playing with the rules and stuff like that when yeah. there was that punt and they just kept taking penalties and penalties to run yeah. down the clock. Like if if it had gone wrong, it would have looked dumb because it would have taken like two minutes off the clock that they couldn't have scored with. But you know. He yeah. trusted his defense, and it worked. Yeah, yep. agreed. Yeah, and returning to Tom Brady, I could definitely see him le- leaving because, like, great players want like want to play like literally milk la- every last ounce out of the out of the game. They don't like they they cling on to it until they like literally just can't play. Like, there's tons of examples. Like Peyton Manning, I think is an example. Brett Favre who had obviously mm. could have wrapped it up nicely in Green Bay, but decided to keep playing with the Vikings and then the Jets as well. Um, and then um, in basketball, like Michael jo- Michael Jordan, like wanted came back, played for the Wizards. He didn't care who he was playing for. He just wanted to play, you know? Mm. Like, I, I think that Tom Brady has, like, that same kind of mentality. That's what he strikes me as. Even though, yeah. obviously, he'll yeah. be remembered as a, pa- a, a Patriot Patriot football. <laughs> yeah, I mean, player. I there are a the, few Derek Jeters in the world. Yeah. I'll say yeah. that. Yeah, I think the difference for me between, you know, Brady and Peyton Manning and Brett Favre in that situation is that Favre and Peyton were both looking for titles. And not that Brady isn't, but like that was always the knock on, on Peyton and on Brett Favre is that like they hadn't really, you know, done enough in terms of actually winning championships. And like that's not a knock on Tom Brady. Like he's, you know, he's got the rings to show for it. So going to another team seems like a, a weird move just because for those guys, it seemed like their last ditch attempts to, you know, shore up their legacy in terms of, you know, getting another championship. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I agree, Jared, that he does seem like he just wants to keep playing for the love of it. So, yeah, I don't know. I think it might take like a few years of him really being sub average before he realizes yeah. he should stop. <laughs> yeah. But do you think like, do you see the Patriots not trying to resign him like hard? Like, they don't really have a better option at the moment, do they? It's not like when they had, like, Garoppolo as, like, kind of shadowing, you know, as someone who, you know, could, you know, potentially succeed him, you know? They don't really have that at the moment, I feel like. No, they'll find a way to swindle uh, the Bengals for the first overall pick. They'll take Joe Burrow and they'll continue for 20 years. Yeah. Yeah, that would be crazy. <laughs> yeah. It's like how the Warriors are going to get, like, the number one overall pick this year, and then Steph and Clay exactly. and all of them are going to come back. Oh, and... my God. Genius. Don't remind me. <laughs> no, honestly, yeah, they'll probably get him on, like, a team-friendly deal, as they say. Yeah. Give him another shot. But... Yeah, because yeah. he wants to get get to 45, right? Isn't that what he said? So he's still got two years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. So, so do we think do we think the Patriots dynasty is over then, or what's our verdict? I, I almost want to say that as long as Bill Belichick is coaching, it's it's not. We've that's, seen how good they can be when Brady's out. So mm-hmm. that's exactly what I was gonna say. If you're if you're gonna say all along that Tom Brady's a system quarterback, then th- then you can put then you also have to say that you can put anybody else in the system yep. and they'll be good. So 
mm-hmm. which I again think is interesting experiment yeah this one will be a little more controlled than brady going to another team and seeing how he does seeing yeah. how yeah over the long term how a you know a new patriots quarterback fares will be a very interesting comparison point and they were carried yeah. they were carried by their defense this season anyway yeah. so as long as that if that's right. that phase is still good yeah Throwback yeah, to like yeah. the first eight weeks of the season when there were articles left and right about how this might be the greatest defense of all time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it was because I played like teams with an average record of like 25% wins. So yeah. Explain yeah. everything. They did not have a tough schedule this year. They played, yeah, I think they played nine losing teams and seven winning teams. They were three and four against the winning teams. They were, yeah. They're just mm. all the things, yeah. you know, going into the playoffs made it seem like this was not going to be the year but again when you see the patriots you know in a playoff game you kind of automatically assume that they're going to show up but yeah yeah it didn't really happen yeah. we'll see if jared stidham can be turned into the new yeah. tom brady who, <laughs> fun fact friend of the pod ryan Hergenrother went to high school with his wife so <laughs> that's kind of fun <laughs> his wife's cousins yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's exciting that's my only bit of knowledge of Jared Stidham so so you're saying Ryan knows Tom Brady yeah, yeah that, that's what I'm hearing yeah yeah fun I, fact I'm hearing yeah we should be referring to him as friend of the pod Tom Brady is what I'm hearing. yeah exactly by <laughs> we do like a six degrees of Kevin Bacon type thing if you're within you know <laughs> certain connection you're a friend of the pod yeah but yeah Jared Stidham was he led uh, the the preseason in passing yards last year, I believe. So oh. watch out, world. Ooh. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Fourth round pick, you know, could be another you know late round dominant Patriots quarterback. Let's hype him up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. So moving on then to next week, let's get some quick rapid fire predictions about who we think is going to win, who's going to make it to the conference championship games. We'll start with you, Jared. Uh, Vikings 49ers, who you got? I'm going with the 49ers. They beat a good team in the Seahawks the last game. And they still have some momentum, I think, in the second half. They started playing some really good teams and played them well. So I'm going with the 49ers. Aiden, who you got? Yeah, I'm also going with the 49ers. The defense is too good. Uh, It'll be interesting to see if if Kirk Cousins plays like he has a weight lifted off of him. You know, maybe maybe (laughs) Kirk Cousins after this comeback will just be godlike. You know, you can't can't um not consider that so we'll see but yeah i do think the 49ers are are too good here yeah i mean i want to say the vikes but truth be told i didn't even think they were going to win against the saints the (laughs) the niners are better uh yeah yeah i won't say who told me the day before yeah (laughs) say again i won't say who told me but I, a source told me, a friend of the pod told me before the uh, Viking Saints game to, that no matter the over-under, take the Saints. So uh, <laughs> I'm not going to say if that was Bart or not Bart, but it you know, could have been. Uh, so, yeah, if they surprise me again, then I'm putting money on them to win the Super Bowl, but I don't think so. <laughs> what do you got with this? I'm going to take the Vikings. Um, wow. I don't know. They pulled one upset. I feel like they can pull another. The 11-year-olds in my class, they were really hyping up their possible Super Bowl run. Oh. They were saying, if we can beat the Saints, we can beat anybody. So um, for the hometown choice, based really not on anything, because the 49ers are just objectively a better team. But 
I believe in Cinderella stories. Yeah, you know, I believe it. The Saints were effectively a better team too. So yeah. You never yeah, know. exactly. So I don't know, and they played well. They rose to the occasion last week, mm-hmm. and I know they haven't always done that in the past, but I don't think it'll be a blowout. I think it'll be yep. another close game, and I think they could maybe scrap out a victory like they did this weekend. In all honesty, like mm-hmm. aside from the purely emotional attachment I have to Vikings winning, like I'll pick them because I think they have a legitimate shot. They have some momentum after beating the Saints. They show that they can exploit teams' supposed strengths, like how the Saints protected the ball and their front just dominated and forced turnovers. So I'm taking the Vikings. All right. Uh, who do you who do you guys think is is going to win the Seahawks Packers game? I'm I'm going. I'm doing the hometown team. I'm going Seahawks. Um, I think they. I think they'll still find a way to win, um, and that Marshawn will get going a little bit in this next game. So, I'm looking at the Packers. I know people say they're the worst 13 and three team anybody's ever seen. Like that. I've seen like multiple announcers lob that around, but the Seahawks could barely get past the Josh McCown, Boston Scott and like the injury depleted Eagles and they were skidding towards the end of the season like Ada mentioned earlier and Aaron Rodgers is a great quarterback I'm taking the Packers all NFC North NFC title game (laughs) yeah I think I'm also taking the Packers Um, I think it's gonna be tough going into Green Bay and you know potentially rough conditions relying on solely the passing game uh, because it, it really doesn't seem like the the Seahawks run game is is up to snuff currently. If you know this, I think it will come down to you know uh, whether they could put together the run game in this one or not. But I, I do think the Green Bay will take it. Yeah, you know, I don't I don't want to see either of these teams win. Truth be told, I don't like either of them. <laughs> but I think actually I think it's going to come down to a battle of the quarterbacks. Uh, and I trust Russell Wilson this season more than Aaron Rodgers, so I have to go with the Seahawks. Mm-hmm. I think there will be some some Russell Wilson magic. Would be my prediction. All right, next one up, we're looking at Titans and Ravens. Aiden, who you got? Uh, I want it to be the Titans. I would love for this underdog story to continue, but I, I don't think it will. I mean, the Ravens haven't lost since week four. They've been dominant. Um, I do think they'll be better at... Well, Derrick Henry rushed against a, a good Patriots D, but I don't think they're going to be... It's going to be enough against the Ravens. Yeah, I'm going with the Ravens yeah. too. Like, maybe Derrick Henry will rush that much for the Ravens, but the Ravens have against the Ravens, but the Ravens have a much better offense than the Patriots did this year. And the Ravens beat all the best teams in the NFL, basically, so they're definitely up for the challenge. Yeah, I, I agree. I don't see Lamar Jackson getting slowed down, truth be told. So, yeah, I, I would love to see the upset as well, but <laughs> I don't think so. Yeah, make it four for four. I don't think it's honestly that close. I think the Ravens win pretty handily. Did the Titan the Famous Titans last words, but... Yeah, the Titans are boring. I mean, I'm right? For them. I'm for they're the boring, but they're you know it's now that the Bills are gone. There's it's not a lot of other teams that have been traditionally bad here. Pretty much everyone else is bad. About, about the Minnesota Vikings have never what? won a Super Bowl. Whoa. Yeah, but the Vikings Whoa. have been the last couple of years. The Vikings have been good. We we have like so the like, sixth highest win percentage in NFL history. Uh, granted, we're the only team in the top ten that doesn't have a Super Bowl win, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to come down to whether Kirk can close it. We'll see. Yeah. Last as long as it's not on Monday night, they should be fine. Yeah. 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 <laughs> no, I mean it was a Sunday game at one p.m. like a regular, like normal regular season game. So that's you know. 
Did it matter? <laughs> Who's to yeah, say? No, honestly, if, if Kirk is 0-9 and Monday night, he must be like, what, like, have a ridiculous record in other games. I mean, he's definitely... <laughs> like, right, yeah. At least with the Vikes, anyway. Maybe the NFL, like, want to screw the Vikings over Kirk Cousins and really just, like... Schedule the Super Bowl on Super Monday. Super Bowl Monday. <laughs> <Just move> <laughs> <it>. <laughs> Stop. Don't say that. That's not funny, Lucas. <laughs> anyway, last last up, we got the Houston Texas and Texans and the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, Bart, who are you going with on this one? Oh man, I, I love me some Pat Mahomes. I gotta go with the Chiefs. I uh, the Texans beat them by like a touchdown earlier this year, and that wasn't a uh, like a full Chiefs offense. I don't see the Chiefs losing this one. Andy Reid had an extra week to prepare too. Yeah, I don't think this one's going to be particularly close either, frankly. Yeah, yeah I'm with Bart on this one. I think Mahomes lights him up. Andy Reid's a great playoff coach until you get to the conference championship. As I know all too well. He's no Doug Peterson. Um <laughs> But yeah, I think playoffs, <laughs> true. <laughs> true. <laughs> no, I no, I think Mahomes Chiefs. I think they light them up. I don't think this one's close either, like Bart said. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I I hate that I'm going chalk. I think I picked the fate, like the you know the home team in all of these, which I it probably it won't play out like that. But I, I don't think this is going to be one of the closer ones. Yeah, Mahomes looks like he's hitting his stride the last couple of weeks. The Chiefs have been streaking. They've had an extra week to prepare. Um, I think they take this, yeah, fairly easily. Yep, I like all the rationale you guys use, um, especially Mahomes uh, starting to heat up in the final part of the season. And for as good as Deshaun Watson did play, he didn't convert to many touchdowns last game. So um, that's what I'm going with. I'm going with the Chiefs. And then that will transition right to the end of the episode where we start doing our rants. I'm up first. Um, I So I originally wanted to do my rant on um, why you should always take a quarterback that won a lot in college, in, in college, why you should always take them in the draft. But then I found out that the, the data didn't really corro- cor- um, corroborate that as much. But this is what I will say. This is my thesis. It's great to be a successful college QB that wins a lot of games but is undersized. You always go to a good team. And it's, it, it really just ma- it's just maddening to me when NFL scouts and teams pass over QBs that did so well in college and for the reason that they're not a physical specimen. And they, like, ar- arrogantly think they can fix the guy that is a physical specimen that didn't perform well against college defenses that that's going to translate to the NFL. Obviously, there's going to be cases that prove me wrong, but I'm going to look at the, pr- the cases that prove me right. Um, so, so my first one is Russell Wilson uh, was a third-round pick. Led Wisconsin to an 11 and three record, 33 touchdowns and four picks his senior year. I'll, I'll tell you about some of the guys that got picked up in front of him. Ryan Tannehill, yes he's playing, yes he's playing in the playoffs, but he was eight for 15, like you said. Never had a 10 10 win season at Texas A&M while they were in the Big 12. So don't tell me into their SEC bias. This was while they were in the Big 12. <laughs> they took Brock Osweiler in the second round, who never had a, even a winning season at ASU, and I think. Russell Wilson, another guy too, Andrew Luck, who's now who the Colts like made him hate football so much he's retired. So I, I'd say it worked out. I'd say of that class, it worked out really well for Russell Wilson. RG three was ahead of him too. He's a perennial backup now. This is the one that really baffles me. In 2017, 
taking Mitchell Trubisky over Deshaun Watson. <laughs> like, like how? I don't know what is wrong with Deshaun Watson. Like, why you wouldn't pick him there? Won a championship with Clemson. He was in the Heisman voting every year. I don't think he was ever a finalist, but he was up there. Or he might have been a finalist one of the years. But he anyway, he was always in the running. Um, Patrick Mahomes was t- taken in front of him, which obviously ended up being solid. But Mitchell Trubisky went to a basketball school. And the year that he was a primary QB, they went 8-5. and five. Like, you know, which isn't terrible, but it's, it's again, never had a 10-win si- uh, season. It worked out well for Lamar Jackson. Every team passed up on him except for the Ravens. So team, so quarterbacks, again, picked in front of him. Josh Rosen, who the Cardinals literally gave up on after one season. Uh, and then Sam Darnold, kind of disqualified because he plays for the Jets right now. So I, I'm going to go a little bit about I mean, because he did well at USC, two 11-win seasons. Um and then of course the biggest example of them all, Tom Brady, whose career might be coming to an end, ten and three and ten and two at Michigan. Interesting uh, enough, he didn't have terrific stats when he was at Michigan, like I thought he would. He had sixteen touchdowns and six picks one year, and then fourteen and ten the other year for interception rate t- touchdown ratio. Assistant quarterback. <laughs> but this is what I'm saying: is they the the NFL sometimes measures the wrong things. Like, why does it matter how fast his 40 is if he just gets rid of the ball before he gets tackled? This year's example, I think, is what it's going to come down to is Jake Fromm and Jalen Hurts. So what it's coming down to, a lot of mock drafts are showing that Jacob Eason from Washington, who was basically Fromm's backup, um, is, is projected at getting taken higher than Jake Fromm or Jalen Hurts, who are winners, played well in college. I really hope, like, I'm not rooting against Jacob Eason, but I really hope that Jake Fromm and Jalen Hurts get what they deserve and get picked, like, in a, a decently high round. They're projected to be, like, second-round picks. Um, but I just don't get, like, Fromm, who has more wins, more touchdowns this season, less picks, same with Jalen, than Jacob Eason, why you would take him over, other than the fact that he's a physical, physical specimen. So that was kind of one of my longer rants, but... Oh, and actually, I'm not done. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Someone cut in his mic end. off. Yeah. In Are we going to get a riff on converting quarterbacks to wide receiver? I would love to hear that. <laughs> in the end, this actually helps out the guys. So, I, in some way, I'm kind of rooting for Jake Fromm and Jalen Hurts to be, to go to a good team in like the second round because this helps out the guys that were undersized and passed up for some for some reason. Tom Brady goes to a good organization in the Patriots. Lamar Jackson goes to a stable one in the Ravens. Russell going to the Seahawks. And then one where the scouts, I think, got it completely right is, so I'm rooting for him for this reason, <laughs> is Carson Wentz went to a small school in North Dakota State, but won there, and, and now he's winning in the NFL. Um, and he go and he got to go to the Eagles, a good organization. So And then you don't get stuck in like a Baker Mayfield or Kyler Murray situation um, where, they, where they're really good, but they get stuck in a terrible an organization that's terrible right now. All of this is to say I have no idea what NFL organizations are looking for. It's hard to be a scout. But I think you don't bet against somebody who won in college, is what I say. All right. So it looks like I'm up next with my rant. And my rant, not quite as meaty. Um, and not about the NFL. I know it's been an NFL-heavy show. I think the last two rants are going to be NFL-related. Um, but I'm going to – we're going to stand alert. football. But re- <laughs> I know. Sorry to all our listeners out there who are just going to drop out right now. <laughs> um, but I'm going to rant a little bit about, about the other level of football that we talk about on here, which is college football, not the XFL, not NFL <laughs> Europe. <laughs> um, and talk about 
how teams in the South that play non-conference games in the winter should um, be stronger and just play them in the North occasionally. I, like, USC <laughs> has never... <laughs> <laughs> this is very niche. <laughs> I don't know. Every USC refuses to play Notre Dame. Maybe this is just this one specific instance. USC has never played Notre Dame in November in South Bend. Whenever they play Notre Dame in November, they make them play it in L.A. because they're too scared that it's going to be like 10 degrees out and real football weather. And <laughs> I know my um, my north of the Mason-Dixon line bias is showing here that like that's what I think real football weather is. But like I don't know if you can't prove yourself in the elements if your game is so specific to a climate. Like how good of a team can you really be? You know, I know like USC won a lot of national championships, but it just seems like sort of like. Like you don't want, like you're not confident enough in your team's ability to play that you think climate is going to so dramatically affect it that you miss out on an opportunity to prove yourself against a good team. So, I think USC should play Notre Dame in South Bend in November sometime. That's my rant. Specific? Will anybody? Is it a, a wide-reaching thing? No, but I just think that teams from warmer climates should play in colder ones more frequently because if Wisconsin has to play in it, then. Alabama should too. No, that, that's fair. Yeah, I look forward to hearing about all the the fan mail you get about this one. We'll see. Yeah. How <laughs> people Thank feel. you. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So I'm up next as Lucas. So you know, ungraciously spoiled. It is about the NFL. That is that is true. Uh, it's about something we saw twice over the the past weekend, which was NFL overtime and NFL overtime rules. And the thesis of my rant is that it's dumb. Um, <laughs> and again, we had a <laughs> pretty simple. We had a, a small sample size this weekend. Uh, the receiving team did win. The team that won the coin toss did win in both games. And, you know, the NFL acknowledged there was an issue with OT back in 2011 when, you know, before uh, a team had a chance to respond if uh, the, the team that received only kicked a field goal. But when they changed it to allow this response, they still didn't fix the core issue, which is that the two teams don't come into overtime with the same opportunity to win. The, the chances of winning before and after the coin toss are, are pretty different. And sudden death is fun in, in other sports. You know, like hockey OT is fun. You know, golden goal, which is sparingly used, is, is fun when it happens. But in football, possession is different. You know, it, it doesn't change every few seconds, every few mi minutes, like in hockey or like in soccer. And, you know, who's to say that the Saints wouldn't have marched down the fields and done the exact same thing that the Vikings did? Sorry, Bart. Um, but <laughs> it's, you know, it's still somewhat decided by a coin toss. You know, team like if we look at the stats, teams receiving the kickoff have won 55% of non-tied uh, games since the new rules were instituted in 2011, which is a significant advantage. Uh, and it's definitely an improvement over, it used to be 60% um, of teams that won the coin toss uh, would win with uh, the old rules. But if we just look at the playoff games, in the 10 playoff games that have occurred since 2011, since, you know, the new OT rules... Six of them have ended after the first touchdown without any chance for response from, from the other team. Uh, and, you know, there are still cases where, you know, like we saw in the Texans game where they received the ball first, didn't score. Uh, the Bills got a chance to respond, didn't score. And then the Texans won, which, again, it, like it's the same thing. They still had an extra possession uh, over the Bills, which is a huge advantage. 
And obviously, like, we all know that the best move here is to go to college rules. Like, college rules are not only fun, but they're fair. You know, you get both teams get a fairly equal shot. And maybe they just don't want to admit that that's the best option here. I'm not sure if that's what's it or if they're really stuck on this whole sudden death thing, the the drama of it. Uh, But I think especially when you see it in the playoffs with such, you know, amplified stakes, uh, it feels a little cheap that, you know, one team gets a whole extra possession than the other. Uh, It's yeah, feels a little unfair. So anyway, that is that is my rant. We'll see how many more overtime games we we get this postseason slash how much more injustice you know we see. I I hundred yeah. percent agree. I would love to see college rules um, in the NFL, and then also oh, uh, another overtime that was really fun. Uh, a couple, I think it was last year in the NBA preseason. Mm-hmm. They did a they did a first first uh, point wins. And it was so crazy. Both teams just like both teams, I think, like missed two shots, and it was just going like crazy down the field. I gotta find the video. They were like doing that as a, as a trial run kind of thing. Yeah, I think so. I would be down for like college, like college football rules with basketball. Like, like each team gets a possession, and they have to like match each other until you just someone wins. <laughs> It'd be a little cheap, but it would be entertaining. That'd be crazy. No, honestly, I feel like the NFL yeah. just wants to be unique, and they don't want to yeah. have to admit that they should just copy the NCAA. <laughs> yeah, yep. it's, no, I agree. It's I think it's stupid. a pride thing. Yeah. Okay. Well, my rant is also related to uh, late game situations in the NFL, but it's <laughs> more generally uh, just late game, and specifically about coaching decisions and how stupid they can be sometimes. Like, okay, so I know that the haters of this philosophy will say football games aren't played on a spreadsheet, but like, <laughs> there are just some objectively logical things that coaches should do that they often don't. So, like, okay, take for instance Sean McDermott. When it was like fourth and 25 or something, and the Bills were uh, trying to come back against the Texans, and instead of punting and pinning the Texans back, they went for it on fourth and 25. <laughs> the, stats would, like, the stats would never tell you that that's a good decision. And then, and then the, the game that I watched completely, the Saints-Vikings game, Mike Zimmer, I will have to admit, made some really stupid decisions. Like, he, I don't know, like playing prevent defense when the team is trying to score never ends well. It never ends well. Your coaches do it all the time because it's just like the, this goes back to the whole quarterbacks thing and like why they take quarterbacks that just fit a, a, a physique. I feel like it's, it has to do with like old philosophies and old school like styles of thinking and how those are still ingrained. I feel like the old school style of thinking says play play prevent defense and it'll win you the game it won't and it almost cost them the game this time and then yeah i don't know there was another example where uh the saints had a delay of game penalty they could have used a timeout to save the the clock runoff but they didn't and then they ended the game with an extra timeout anyway like it's just logical to use that and save yourself so anyway i just feel like there are a lot of situations where coaches would do well to listen to the uh, the stats nerds if you will and not try to like uh do the thing that traditionally works because tradition is often wrong so that's my rant yeah it i 100 percent agree and it drives me crazy all the time um how coaches will also just get rid of timeouts at like random points in the game like a spent like a third quarter timeout i'm of the opinion this is controversial and probably not true <laughs> that like you should never use a timeout in the third quarter if it's a close game like ne- like never like the value of that timeout in the fourth quarter in the last two minutes is insane 
Like you need to mm -hmm. have a really good reason if you're using it early. Because a lot of times they'll do it to, you know, you know, switch up the play or something on a third and 15 or avoid a delay of game that would turn it from, you know, a second and three to a second and eight. It just like, I do not think that matters nearly as much as 40 seconds at the end of the game. Like, yeah. Anyway. I agree. I yeah. agree. Agreed. Yeah. I think like they're overused on stopping delay of games. Like sometimes just yeah. take the five yard penalty. Yeah. Like it's not that bad. Like you're going to pass anyway, you know, like, it's, <laughs> yeah. but, but, oh. Um, I would say that if you're on defense though, and you see something that's gonna end up that could end up in a touchdown, it's a good time to use it. But may, but not if you're on offense. That's that's fair. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I think as a defensive mechanism, I agree more than like a like offensive. Like if you're not in control and you see something that could go poorly, then you might want to yeah. Kind of also, the funniest thing is when coaches call a timeout right before their field goal kicker takes a kick. <laughs> and it goes in, but it doesn't count because they called the timeout first. Yeah. <laughs> like, just stop. I love it. Relax <laughs> with it. <laughs> I would, like, not, like, never call a timeout as a coach just to avoid that possibility. Like, that's terrifying, you know? Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you get burned for that. Anyway. Yeah. Ice your own kicker. Yeah. <laughs> it's a bold, bold strategy, strategy, Cotton. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, Bart, thank you for joining the show. I hope you had fun. Hope you enjoyed oh, it. It was it was wonderful. Thank you for having me. Awesome. And thank you to all of our listeners for listening. If you enjoy the podcast, please share it with a friend. Follow us on Spotify. If you see Lucas, Aiden, um, or I on social media, let us know what you think of the show and what you would like us to talk about. We'll see you next week after the College Football National Championship and Divisional Round of NFL Playoffs. So stay tuned.